Welcome to Ridiculous Entertainment. My name is Tim, your host. Uh, some housekeeping notes up top. Uh, once again, and still, XAV is our leading downloader on SoundCloud. XAV, you demand. I don't think we've had a repeat listener yet, so XAV holds the title because he was the first listener. That was not me. So good for you. You're going to have your name put on this station until someone else listens to it twice. Also, despite a cluster of downloads surrounding His Dark Materials Episode 1, Ashburn, USA, is still the most downloaded uh, city for Ridiculous Entertainment. If you want to find us on different platforms, we are on Stitcher. We have gotten up there. We are still trying for iTunes. Apparently, this is a little bit of a longer process than it is for other podcasts. I think it has to do with the rating system. So we'll get up there eventually. Uh, they're going to mark us explicit because, well, because Watchmen has a lot of dicks and I like to say the F-bomb. So here we go. We're covering His Dark Materials episode two today. And just a bit of notes as regarding last episode. I couldn't recall the fuck ugly kid's name. His name is Roger. I thought that was his name last episode, uh, but I, I was kind of also, I thought his name might be Billy. Turns out they're both characters in this show. Both appear in this episode. Uh, one is Egyptian and the other one is Fuck Ugly. So we start the episode. Uh, Miss Coulter, wonderful. Miss Coulter, we love Miss Coulter, uh, has brought Lyra to her no- new home. It is just so great that this girl has someone she can rely on who will treat her with compassion and support her. After Lyra becomes acquainted with her new home, her and Miss Coulter take to the rooftop to have a luncheon or a breakfast. They're eating. It doesn't appear to be dinner. It's not heavy enough for a dinner. That being said, there is a plethora of food on the table and they're talking about heights about how Lyra always loved to climb on the rooftops kicking it upstairs you know sometimes she would sleep outside she says Miss Coulter says bullshit and she said no no I've done it and Miss Coulter takes this fun time to a very dark place stating that she contemplates suicide sometimes when she is standing on the rooftop suicide is not a joking matter and uh, it's just an odd thing to state to someone who is very dear to you uh, and then Lyra doesn't really have a reaction because she's so young she's never had an encounter with something that dark before. So it just kind of gives her insight into the soul of Miss Coulter. How she may be happy on the outside, but she's like a comedian. She's crying on the inside. After the awkwardness involving the suicidal anecdote, they get up to leave in a, in a hurry because they have no interest in remembering that conversation ever existed, it seems. But when they run out the door, you, you get a shot at the table. They didn't eat shit. They left all this food sitting around and they didn't need all that food. It seems wasteful. It seems very wasteful. But who am I to judge? They, they're probably wealthy and will throw it to the pigeons or some shit. That brings me to another thought. In this world where animals are tied to people, are there regular animals as well? Are there pigeons fucking around out there eating shit on the street? Real thought. So they leave their house to go to like a gathering of some sort uh, where they have to eat. It seems like they're always eating, but they're never really eating. They've got a plate full of food, but very little goes down the gullet hole. She's totally entranced with the, with the artifacts and the famous people at this gathering. But also this gathering appears to take place on a museum floor. My question is why the fuck are you having a gathering on a museum floor? What if somebody spills their gravy on some fancy polar bear head, you know, that you just have sitting around? Also, it's a big fucking head to be staring at you while you're eating your Polish sausage. Do they have Polish sausage? Another thought, if animals do not exist outside of demons, where does major protein come from? Do, because it appears that when people die, their demons disappear. So we can't harvest their protein after the people die. So my assumption then becomes that all meat that is eaten in this world comes from humans. So they're massive cannibals, which leads to their sheer insanity. If you look around, all these events could just be happening in their own heads. They might not actually be happening in the real world because cannibalism leads to insanity in this world's fucking insane. So after the scene in the, the museum floor, we, we go to the Egyptians and the Egyptians are having a conversation. Now, this 
is a commentary more on the acting ability of the Egyptians. So it seems like they skimped on it. It seems like they got a named actor to play one of them. He's named for one show and he was good in that show, but all he had to do was, you know, scowl and say four words. He's got to carry some lines in this show and they're just kind of terrible actors. <laughs> I, I sometimes laugh when they speak and uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of rough to watch. It's an HBO show, you know? Now we go back to Lyra's house with Lyra. Lyra's in bed and, you know, her little fucking ferret, the demon ferret, you know, it, it kind of works in both sense of the word demon because the little bastard won't let her sleep. She's losing her mind from eating people all the time and she she's just trying to recover, have a night of recovery and the little demon won't let her sleep. Bitching about shit moving around in the vents. Just let the girl sleep, okay? She's got a lot going on in her life. Best friend's missing. She got a new mom friend. She got to learn lots of shit because Miss Coulter don't fuck around. So after Lyra goes back to bed and then assumedly wakes up again, uh, we go to the Egyptians. The Egyptians, they're looking for their kids. Uh, so they go to this building and, you know, they just start breaking all sorts of shit. They're breaking doors. They're breaking glass. They're breaking windows of all kinds. They're just busting stuff up. And my question to you as an ethical question, are they better than the gobblers? Does one crime outweigh another? Some would say yes. Moral philosophers might say no. Moral philosophers are also cunts, but I don't know. They seem like pretty bad people too. I mean, think of the property owner in this sense. He has to spend now thousands of dollars replacing the doors and the glass and any other things that they may have kicked over on their way in. What if they would have hurt themselves? The property owner would have then been liable for uh, an accidental injury lawsuit? It just seems like they're bad folks. Once the Egyptians are inside the building, they're like walking around, walking around, and Fa picks up this piece of clothing. He's like, it shit's Billy's. That's Billy's shirt. And it just, it makes me think that this must be a truly different universe because my dad couldn't pick a single fucking shirt I own out of every other shirt at the mall, you know? He would never be like, that's fucking Tim's shirt. I could, I could pick that one out of a lineup. Now, we go back to Jordan Collins, and they're talking to the master, and this new character, we're gonna call him Creepy Guy, Creepy Magisterium Man, and Creepy Magisterium Man, he wants to examine the skull of the explorer that Azrael brought back. And they keep talking about dust and stuff, and they keep talking about this dude and other universes and heresy, and I'm like, you guys keep talking about all this stuff, and you got so much bigger problems. Like, you have an infestation of varmints that just follows you around. I mean, surely your efforts should be focused on a way to disconnect those things from your body so you can, you know, round them up. You can start eating them so that you don't have to be cannibal. Just just an idea, just a thought. Just throwing that out there to you. So we go back to Lyra's house, and Lyra and Miss Coulter are having a lesson, a lesson about physics and electrons and how electrons are charged and stuff. And then she just brings up dust. She's like, electrons are charged, kind of like dust. Or maybe dust isn't charged. So the point of you bringing up dust was a pretense for a confrontation because you didn't want to learn anymore. Kids suck. Teenagers, I think she's a teenager. They're the worst. They just act out for no fucking reason. You could have just learned some science and shit, but you had to act out. Miss Coulter's just trying to better your future. So now we go back to the Magisterium and, and the bald guy. I don't know his name. I didn't give him one. He's kicking it and in comes the Hunchback of Notre Dame, also known as this Cardinal guy. He does not look or sound or seem well. And I don't know if we want him to die or not based on the context of the show yet, but if we want him to live, he should see a doctor. He does not look well. Now, we go back to the house and we see the demon monkey just sitting there. And the demon monkey is a colossal asshole. I mean, I'm just going to throw that out there. The demon monkey is a colossal asshole. I mean, he is always spying on people, shooting them dirty looks. Sometimes he's being violent, grotesque. I mean, we just don't like this guy. Feel like we could do better in the friend department. I know that he's attached physically to Miss Coulter. Maybe he isn't. I don't know. We 
should probably kill him. If it won't kill the nice Miss Culture lady, we should kill the demon monkey and eat him. Now, I mentioned earlier that the monkey may not be attached to Miss Coulter. And that's because Lyra goes into the study. She hears some noises, goes into the study, sees the monkey on the ground. Miss Coulter's nowhere to be seen. And Miss Coulter walks up from behind and Lyra starts to question her. Says, how are you able to be so far from your demon? It would be painful. That's unnatural. Now, it seems like she's being really judgmental. It seems like she's not being accepting of people who are different from her. Lyra, you don't always have to point out the obvious to make people who are different feel bad about themselves. So now we're back to the creepy guy. We're back to the creepy guy. He's at Jordan College again. He's down in the crypt, uh, looking through the skulls, and he is trying to find one that's been skinned and boiled or whatever they do with him most recently. He approaches the one that's the whitest because, you know, that's what it would look like. And it's crazy because the snake goes up to it, identifies it, which is probably what would happen, but he, he knows it wasn't him. He knows it wasn't who Azrael said it was. And how he can tell this is by fingering the skull holes on the on this man's skull. Now, that seems like an odd identification system, one that wouldn't pass in this world, but maybe he's got magical fingers. If he does, the ladies probably love him. But finger skull fucking this dude's cranium seems like an odd way and a little bit of a disturbing way to go about your day, your, your time of identifying him. Seems like you have some, some issues you should consult a therapist about. So after he's done finger banging that guy's skull, uh, the creepy guy goes to, it's kind of like a shimmer. They call it a window later on in the episode. And the creepy guy can go into another world. Now, this world's like our world, the one that we currently live in. And it's more modern earth. There's no rigid airships. They're all driving Priuses, drinking coffee. And my my comment on this is ours is way better. And he, I think he even agrees. I mean, like the first thing he does is he starts picking shit off the windshield of a car, but finds a cell phone and starts playing with it. I mean, even he knows that a world is better with a magical rectangle in your hand. Now we're back at Lyra's house in the Magisterium visit. And Miss Coulter asks Lyra to stay in her room for a bit. Now, I know that Lyra is naturally a little bit curious, but I mean, she is just such an insubordinate fuck. I mean, all Miss Coulter asks of her is to stay in her room for 30 goddamn minutes. You know, as long as it, these robed fuckheads are wandering around, stay in the room, don't come out. It's better this way. She doesn't listen. She can't be controlled. She's like a wild animal. And of course, she gets caught by the robed fuckheads, which leads to a confrontation. The robed fuckheads leave and she runs back to her room. Lyra runs back to her room and grabs a purse. She starts wearing the purse around the house. Miss Coulter makes a comment about how she looks stupid as fuck wearing a purse in her own home. She's right. She's absolutely right. It is a dumb fucking thing to wear your purse in your own home. There's no reason for it. Unless you're anticipating on needing like lunch out of your purse. But just take it off and set it on the table next to where you are or on the ground. It doesn't seem like you need to be carrying that shit. You look weird. You look weird. You're not You're not in transit anymore. Once you're done being in transit, you can take the fucking strap off your shoulder. But after this, Miss Coulter does cross the line. Uh, she has her little demon monkey kick the living shit out of the stupid ferret because the purse was stupid. Nah, this is not probably an acceptable thing. Uh, probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Which which leads to her spilling the beans about Azrael being Ly Lyra's father. Now, she might also still be lying. Lying is in Miss Coulter's conscience. Uh, as we find later in the episode, she is a villain of sorts, uh, or has villainy in her heart, at least. Uh, but that being said, I think she's probably tr being truthful. And also, she may even be Lyra's mother. I, I believe that to be true. Uh, I don't know if that was in the Golden Compass, and I'm remembering that. It's been quite a while since I've seen that movie. And during this conversation, she explains something I, I spoke about in the first episode. It was actually the first thing I talked about, why there was water that went all the way up to the middle of the door, because there was a great flood taking place on the uh, the time of Lyra's birth. Lyra and Miss Coulter get their scuffle out of the way. The, the monkeys kick the shit out of her. It's over. She's sad. She wants to be alone. She goes to her room. And she pulls out the alethiometer. Is like, hey, alethiometer, what, what am I going to do here? What's going on? And she's, she's moving the dials around. She's saying different words to it. She's talking to 
into it. She's crying into it. And this alethiometer, it's a broken piece of shit. The master broke it. She broke it in transit. Somebody broke the thing. It doesn't work anymore. And if it does, shame on you, master. Shame on you, master, for not explaining the interworkings of the device to Lyra. You claim that she's going to need the device. Explain to her how to use the device. So now we go back to the creepy guy. He's in our world still. And he's having a cup of coffee with a weasel-faced guy. And uh, he takes a sip of the coffee and he says, Mmm, better than the coffee we have. Yeah, no shit. That coffee's got all sorts of modern technology built right into it. I mean, it was probably brewed out of a Keurig or a steam press. All you guys do is boil water and shit and have a cup of tea. It's garbage. It's weak sauce. Bush League. Get your shit together. This is America. Greatest place on earth. You have your Jordan College. Broke-ass bitches. Have, drink your tea. Nobody cares. So now we're, we're back at the, the house of Lyra and she is, there's a lot of jumping around in this episode. It kind of makes it a little bit, am I missing things? I'm sure I'm missing a few things, but this is going to give you the main idea. Uh, we're back at, at Lyra's house and Miss Coulter has left. She's left the house. She's gone to go and see some kids. We'll just leave it at that for now. And uh, Lyra decides it's time to break into the study and fucking see what's going on. What is going on here? And she finds a bunch of papers labeled General Oblation Board. Now, why would you leave these papers out in relative plain sight? Now, the, the packet she finds inside the desk, that's hidden. It's okay, that's hidden. But the paperwork is just strewn about. General Oblation Board. And the pictures depicted on the paperwork are of little people at the very least. They look like children, you know? They could be of little people. But if your name, the name of your division is the General Oblation Board, why would you let that nickname get out? The Gobblers. Why would you let that get out? Why would you let your street-walking kidnappers identify themselves as the Gobbler? Because the kids didn't make it up. It would have made sense if the kids made it up. They're, they're just kids. They're like, they're the Gobblers! No, what has happened is your kidnappers have decided to create a team name. What is the mascot of the Gobblers, I wonder? Because th there should be, if there's not one, somebody dressed up in a suit uh, cheering on those fuckheads as they bring in another child. It would appear by all this that she's the head of the Gobblers. And as an evil crime lord, it would make more sense that she would murder the shit out of these people who are down there in the huddle and they're like, alright guys, we're doing all this kidnapping, we're having such a good time, let's come up with a team name. She should have had her monkey come up behind him and just murder the shit out of those people. Now, Mrs. Coulter still does have some charm to her. I mean, she may have kidnapped all those kids, but she still has the decency to go down and let the kids write home to their friends. Uh, for some reason, she sets them on fire on her way out the door. Maybe she hadn't thought it through, the eventual hassle it would cause her, because if she writes them, then they write back, and then it's back and forth, back and forth. She has now become a postmaster general instead of a criminal, instead of a, a, a criminal mastermind. She has really, I think, gotten in over her head. So she, just on her way out the door, she's like, eh, you know, I'd like to, but I'm kind of busy. So Lyra is now, she's back in the study, uh, still in the study, and Miss Coulter's coming. And the stupid ferret fly thing is like, Lyra, she's coming home! Lyra, she's coming home! Uh, get out of there, Lyra! She's coming home! And then instead of saying, hey, Pan, go up there and close the grate, I'm gonna walk out this door and everything's gonna be fine. She goes up, climbs through the vent, and has to, like, climb and crawl as fast as humanly possible so that she can get back into her room and pretend to be reading a book by the time the elevator goes from the ground floor to whatever floor they're on. So, it would have just been so much easier for her to go out the door and have the flying ferret close the grate. Now, we're at a party, and Miss Coulter is obviously a little bit upset with Lyra. So, her mission over the last bit of time has been to civilize Lyra. Teach her manners, make her more knowledgeable, teach her fashion, teach her human cleanliness. And you would think that if you were having a party, you are hosting a party, you would want this girl to now be mingling with 
people uh, so that they can have a knowledge of her so that later on she can leverage that knowledge and, and get results for you. But instead, she's carrying the drinks around like a common hand. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense from Miss Coulter's perspective to have her be doing this. So shame on you, Miss Coulter. This is a bad decision for your character. So after a bit, Lyra is uh, contacted by a young woman and pulls her aside and they begin to have a conversation. And this young woman knows that Miss Coulter is the head of the Oblation Board. Now, this seems like a pretty widely known thing. It seems like everybody is aware of who does what and that she is a part of this evil organization, this villainy. And it just seems like this universe is callous and careless with its knowledge and it should hold things a little bit closer to the vest because it seems like everybody knows. So after Lyra has it confirmed to her that Miss Coulter is the head of the Oblation Board. She takes off. She goes running. She's out of there. She's had enough and good for her. You know, I was on Miss Coulter's side and I do hope that maybe they can have like a reconciliation because there is goodness in the heart of Miss Coulter even though she's a fucking villain and a crazy person but it's just not going to be now. So after Lyra's gone, the creepy guy, he's been there for a bit. He's been there since just before Lyra took off. The creepy guy walks up to the girl who spilled the beans about the Oblation Board out of the party and uh, into a car and it kind of seems like there's like a sexual connectivity between them, but really, he's just a bad motherfucker. Like, uh, a crazy dude who is just about murking fools, keeping secrets of the universe to himself because he demonstrates how easy it is for people in this universe to just be killing people. And if you're a mass murderer in this universe, you've got it made because you don't have to deal with the human who is large and more difficult to take out than, let's say, a ferret or a butterfly or even a bird. Birds don't have a lot of defense mechanisms, especially small ones. You know, big ones, sure, they got wings, big-ass wings, big-ass beaks. Little ones have little ass wings and little ass beaks. So it seems like if you're a mass murderer, you're probably, business is pretty good for you. Business is a-okay. After the murder of the, the bean spiller by a butterfly smash, that's how the creepy guy murders the young woman is by butterfly smashing. We go back to Lyra. Lyra's running through the streets. Is she being followed still? Probably not. The time has changed quite a bit. It's now dark. It was light earlier. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. And uh, he comes across something in the middle of the road. She's walking up to see what it is. And then somebody grabs her from behind. Who could it be? Who could it be? But seriously, who, who do you think it was? Was it the gobblers? Child slavers? Egyptians? I mean, definitely the Egyptians. And which world would you rather live in? I mean, you have this fantastical one that they're in or our modern badass civilization. I mean, I know which one I would pick uh, because I don't have to have like a fucking skunk follow me around <laughs> in this world. But yeah, go ahead and comment below in whatever platform you happen to be involved in and let me know. I'd really love to hear. Yeah, but th that pretty much wraps up today's episode though. If you're having fun with me, you should like, subscribe, bell icon, share, or whatever the things are that pertain to the platform that you're using and tell a friend. You know, even if you don't like them, because this is mostly garbage. So you can throw garbage at friends, especially if they're dumb and ugly. As we said last time, it's okay to make fun of ugly people. And with that, this has been Ridiculous Entertainment.